This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey backpackers, Bird Shooter here. And tonight on the show I speak with John Phillips about the Ocean to Lake Trail, which is a 61 mile spur of the Florida Trail in the central portion of the state that runs from Lake Okeechobee to the Atlantic Ocean. In the show, John tells us about why he chose this section, what it's like hiking all day in ankle to knee deep water, how frequently he saw snakes, alligators, and wild hogs, as many as 50-plus on the trip, and how he found rest areas and campsites in the middle of the swamp. John is originally from Florida, discovered backpacking through scouts, and started hiking the Florida Trail since it was in his backyard. So if you're looking for an interesting winter hike, check out this podcast. Find out why John has hiked this trail multiple times, and why the cops met him at his finish at Hobie South Beach. Here's episode 93. All right, this is Bird Shooter. I'd like to welcome John Phillips to the show this evening. John has on two occasions hiked the 61.4-mile Ocean to Lake Trail, which is located in central Florida, and after listening to our recent podcast on the Swanee River Trail, offered to tell us about another great section of the Florida Trail. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, yeah. long-time listener, and uh, really honored to be here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's nice to it's nice to know that people enjoy the show. Um, and you live just up the road in Cartersville, I understand, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, we've been up there about a year. Uh, prior to that, we were in Powder Springs, Georgia. And uh, prior to that, I uh, did about nine years in Florida, and that's kind of where my my official backpacking kind of started down there. But uh, I guess the roots of all of that kind of grow back from my childhood and, and so forth in Kansas City. Okay. I was involved in the Boy Scouts and, and uh, just kind of uh, everything that I learned from the outdoors and stuff kind of roots back to that. And, uh, I actually went to a Boy Scout training for leaders called Wood Badge, and uh, there was a little section on it uh, about backpacking. And I was like, that is what I need to be doing. <laughs> and so started uh, started there, and I realized that the, my favorite campouts and stuff that I had done were always the furthest away from people and, and civilization. And so backpacking was just kind of a natural uh, thing for me. And so so that's my – and so I started doing that in Florida. So that's kind of my been my home base for – backpacking until I moved to Georgia and now I'm expanding my parameters. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, obviously, uh, scouts have influenced many people into backpacking. It's what got me into it at the age of probably 14. But, um, where in Florida were you living? We lived in Cape Coral and, uh, we're there the whole time. Yeah. Cape Coral's kind of a, it's a kind of an interesting little town full of canals. Um, not much beach, there but uh, lots of canals boats fishing that kind of thing 
Okay. And, um, and uh, probably not far. I mean, the Florida Trail obviously goes through the whole state, so you were probably never far from the Florida Trail. Did some of your early backpacking trips were they on, on, uh, on the Florida Trail? Yeah, yeah. Predominantly, I think the very first backpacking trip we did was in Ocala. We hiked from the 88 store uh, up to Rodman. Rodman Dam or Rodman Reservoir, I forget what they call it, but um, it was it was chump change for what I'm, you know, what I'm at now. But we thought we had really done something great. <laughs> yeah. Do I understand that's like that was one of the original backpacking sections of the Florida Trail, right? The Acala section. It was. Yeah, it was the first section that they that they finished, and it is all on trail. There's quite a bit of road walking if you were to do the the full length of the Florida Trail. Okay. Um, and that's, but that's one of the sections where you don't really have much, uh, where you get out of the woods. You're pretty much in the woods the whole time. Yeah. We, when, we, you know, of course you listen to the, uh, the Swanee river, uh, podcast, which is what put us together, but, um, it was for us, it was down between the Swanee river and the Akala. We were looking at the two and it was just easier for us to get to the Swanee river. So, um, that's how we ended up there, but those seem to be two of the most popular sections for backpackers. Is, is, is that your understanding as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. I, there are some people that really, really love uh, the very south part, which is very swampy uh, part of the trail, too. But uh, Big Cypress is what that's called. Um, but there a lot of – it's a select few people that go in there, but the people who do tend to just really love it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some questions about that because I've some, seen some videos <laughs> of some of the swamp uh, sections of the trail, and um, I've got a lot of questions for you on that. Um so let's talk about the Ocean to Lake Trail, which is a section of the Florida Trail that you did. As I said, it was a 61.4-mile section. And what I thought was cool, and one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you about this, was because it goes from the Atlantic Ocean to Lake Okeechobee, which um, just sounded like a just cool that you're going between those two things. Um, did, you've hiked it twice, is that right? That's correct. And in which direction did you go? Did you start at the ocean or at the lake? Both times I started at the lake and ended at the ocean. Ah, does that mean when you finish, you're jumping in the ocean and taking a swim? That is exactly right, <laughs> with clothes on, and and by that point you smell plenty bad. So it's you know swimming the ocean is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, before we talk about this section, I am curious. I know you've done uh, other parts of the Florida Trail. I mean, you have a rough idea how much of it have you hiked? Oh, uh, maybe a quarter. Okay. Cause, I mean, it's yeah. pretty long. What is it, around 1,100 it's, and some miles? Yeah, yeah, it was 11, 1,200 miles, something like that. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of trail, obviously. I did meet a thru-hiker, actually, when we were out on our section, and I'm sure you've run into him before, too. So it seems like there's a fair number of people that are knocking it out in one uh, stride. But, uh, you know, you, you sound like you're like me, working-wise, and it's not easy to break away for an extended period of time. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what made you choose this uh, specific section from the ocean to... Lake uh, Okeechobee? Well, I, I like to do hard things. And, uh, you know, I, that sounded like a potentially tough <laughs> thing to do and something that I, it was a little scary, uh, to be honest, you know, to going into it. Um, just didn't know, never hiked in the swamp before and, and uh, just didn't know what to expect. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of see if I could do it, kind of a challenge. Yeah. Now, do most people go toward the ocean? Because it seems like it'd be really cool to finish at the ocean. Or is there necessarily? Yeah. A, is that typical? Yeah, I, okay. I feel like that. I mean, I don't have any statistics on it or anything, but I feel like most people do it that way. Yeah, I figured. Um, the people that I've run into out there uh, hiking, which really aren't many, um, 
but uh, they're all going towards the ocean as well. I've not met anyone coming the other direction. Okay. Did you do? Did you go solo both times? No. The first time I the first time I did it was in uh, 2017. It was right after Hurricane Irma went through. Um, so I it was kind of like a I think I was one of the first handful of people to go through there hoping there were still blazes, you know, standing after the <laughs> hurricane went through. Right. And, uh, but, um, and hoping that the water level would be, you know, okay after all of the rain a hurricane puts down. Um, but uh, I was going to go, it was me and another guy, uh, one of my longtime hiking buddies, um, and we were going to go do that trail between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, as it turned out, he got injured and, uh, and so I thought, well, I've been planning this. I'm just going to do it, you know. And sure. my wife was a little freaked out, and <laughs> you know about me going out in the middle of nowhere and and uh, kind of you know uncharted territory as far as what uh, what I could do. And uh, but I did it, and uh, that was actually the hike that was probably the coolest as far as like wildlife and and flowers, and it was just really really neat um the second time that i went was in uh, uh, 2020 right before covid hit it was january of 2020 and me and uh two of my my buddies the one that was injured the first time and uh and another uh guy and we the three of us went and did it so yeah so you had you had people with you that time um i mean i noticed you you're obviously hiking in the middle of the winter for a reason i mean is the sweet spot on hiking it probably thanksgiving to I'm guessing mid-February. Yeah, because um, you want it to be dry. That's the driest part of the year you know, okay. for that uh, part of the trail. The The thing that you're running into on the front end of it is trail maintenance because obviously it has to be dry enough for the trail crews to be able to get out there and kind of mow down the, the sawgrass and, and uh, you know, really kind of pretty it up a little bit so you can hike it. Um but uh, so depending on how the hurricane season was and all of that, it, it kind of depends on how quickly and efficiently they're able to get out there and get things knocked out. Right. Um, but I would say by, you know, mid-December, sometime along in there, you should be pretty good to go. Yeah. When you were talking hurricanes, I immediately thought like how much credit the trail clubs need to get for their work there, because I, I can only imagine if a hurricane goes through there, how much work it is to try to get that trail back in shape. Yeah, pretty uh, rough. Yeah, brutal. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, you're looking a little over 60 miles. Are you typically knocking this trail out in about five days? Yes. Yeah, I did five days both times. Um, They actually have a, uh, like an ultra marathon out there that they do uh, in the wintertime. And uh, I think they do it in like 18 hours, the whole thing. Jesus. Insane. That sounds brutal. (laughs) So you you obviously hiked straight through. It didn't sound like you stopped and got a hotel room like halfway through or anything like that. Or or is that an option? If somebody's thinking, hey, you know, halfway through, I might just take a night in a hotel. I I don't think so, really. I mean, you could, I'm not sure, really, if there's hotels close by. There is this first civilization that you come to um, is on Indian Town Road. Uh, but I don't think there's any hotels there. I think you'd, you'd be walking as far to the hotel or hitching as far to the hotel as you would to just finish it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, so it sounds like it's actually pretty remote. I mean, I, I was looking at the map and it does cross what the uh, baseline highway and, um, 
then I get the turnpike, which you're probably going underneath that. But I mean, for the most yeah. part, are you pretty much, you're going through wildlife management areas. I know you're going through some state parks. Looks like there's some county parks and reserves. Um, mm-hmm. You feel like you're pretty out there, it sounds like, huh? You do. And even when you get uh, into town or, you know, into where there's civilization around you on a map, you don't see it. Um, you, there's a there's one section uh, just before... Um, just before the dunes, I guess, and you're getting, you're getting pretty close. Like you're most of the way through Jonathan Dickinson, uh, state park. Um, there's a section there where you see some houses. There's a little section, um, uh, shoot just before Riverbend park where you see some houses and some canals. Uh, but really you feel like you're as a crow flies, you're not very far from civilization, but you sure feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and maybe to help the listeners, too, just to get a reference on maybe a, a city that you're close to. I think I read that Port, is it Mayaka, is like the one of the towns that's in the area. But what's a more sizable city that's somewhat near this? Well, uh, the Port Mayaka part of it is on the Lake Okeechobee side okay. uh, of things. And there's really just, there's not much on the Lake Okeechobee side and where this where the trail starts which is kind of on the southeast corner of the lake um, when you get up around the northeast corner of the lake and up through there there's there's some towns and and people uh, but man that's what, what are you closest uh, to are you like is orlando the closest decent oh like city? major cities yeah, i would yeah. say like major cities would be like fort lauderdale probably is okay okay the biggest city close by but um jupiter is probably the biggest suburb kind of town. Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> around, around there. Okay, and I looked, you know, obviously, and we had mentioned some of the the private lands that it went through, right? Uh, we talked about Corbett Wildlife Management Area. I think Palm Beach County has got a, a natural area. There's the um, Dupuis Management Area, too, so it sounds like a lot of wildlife management kind of hunting-type areas. Dickinson State Park, I guess, is in there, but how much of the trail do you think is on private land? Did it feel like you were mostly in um, you know, private parcels, or did you find yourself kind of wandering through some public, you know, tracks from time to time? Pretty much all in in uh, management areas. There's, I mean, very, very little that would be anything you could consider private. Um, there's a couple of spots. There's a, there's a spot I remember kind of walking on a dirt road uh, between uh, management areas where you're kind of feel like you're in kind of a farmer's backyard kind of a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> where there's goats and stuff. But, um, but I would assume that is probably private property. Okay. Um, but really when I think about it, I don't think about private property at all. I just think of management areas. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I, I read somewhere obviously that they <laughs> do close sections of the trail for, for hunting. And, uh, you know, we ran into a prescribed burn when I was on the Suwannee river section where they had, closed just a you know it wasn't a big section but maybe a mile piece because of burning um and, and by the way do you know why did they do those prescribed burns is it for insects is it for uh to try to control the the overgrown vegetation that could just get out of hand or why do they do all the prescribed burns i i think for fire prevention and and to just kind of keep the scrubby stuff down mm. but uh i i'm certainly no forest scientist, so I really don't know for sure. But I have, uh, I've run into that too, um, but not on this trail. I, both times I've hiked this trail, it's been totally fine that way, but I do know that they do those. 
Um, and that kind of uh, leads, I guess, a little bit into the whole quote-unquote permit thing. Okay. Because um, you should call each of those management areas and say, hey, I'm going to be hiking you know, from, from this day to this day, and I'm going to be coming through there. Okay. Um, plan to camp at, you know, at this campsite or that campsite or whatever. And when I've called them um, before, they're just kind of like, oh, thanks. Good to know. You know, and I feel like they didn't really care okay. <laughs> that I was calling, but I think it's a good thing to do probably mostly because of hunting and because of those prescribed burns, because if they were going to be doing one that would impact your hike, uh, then it would be good to know about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the hunting because on the Suwannee River section that we talked about in uh, the previous episode, um, you know, it was obvious that hunting was a big thing in some of those wildlife management areas because they had, you know, proper way stations and, um, you know, a lot of signage. And it's obviously very popular during the, which I would assume the hunting seasons probably fall into winter, right? Yeah. And when I, the first time I was out there, there was a lot of hunting going on. And I, and like I said, that was 2017. It was December 26th through whatever, five days later, the New Year's Eve or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a bunch of swamp buggies just running around out there, you know, tearing it up. And that was in Corbett. It pretty much is where they, they do their hunting there. I thought they were hog hunting, but I think they might have been deer hunting. I, I really don't know. But uh, wearing some bright colors is, is a recommendation, I would say, if you're going to be going anytime where there might be hunters. Yeah, when we went, uh, so we went, I guess, what, like first week of February, very end of January, and um, we didn't see any hunters, so we must have missed the season. But um, I imagine they probably steer clear from the trails, though, right? They're more in the um, the, the other areas that are not specific to the trail i would guess right yeah i mean there's there's um uh, i guess like in regular in, in other areas of the country you call them forest roads oh right 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 yeah <laughs> but there's uh, there's roads that go through there and they're i guess just swamp buggy trails maybe but um uh, at any rate they're they're kind of cruising up and down those they they can't really get off of those too much um so they they kind of stick to the roads and you can hear them coming they're they're loud and uh I felt like they saw me and, you know, I felt like they were pretty courteous. So they basically have to stay to the roads. So they're basically hunting from the, from the dirt roads is what it sounds like. Right. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Um, so another question I had for you was just about the terrain because it sounded like about two thirds of what you went through was the kind of swampy conditions you were talking about earlier. You, can you talk about the terrain a little bit? Because the Suwannee river, actually shocked me. I'm thinking I'm going down to Florida. This is going to be a piece of cake. The highest climb is 80 feet. Anybody from Colorado would be laughing when they hear that. So you immediately think it's super easy, but that's very deceiving. And I'm sure you probably agree. Can you kind of talk to that? Yeah, it is. And, and even uh, in, in other areas, I hiked a, a loop called the Citrus Trail before, which is up kind of west of Ocala. Um, and that one was totally dry, but you're walking in sand. So it's kind of like you're walking on the beach and, you know, you do five miles of, of that kind of beach walk that you do, <laughs> you know, it, it gets tiring. It kind of, it wears on you a little bit. Um, so there are spot, there is a spot, um, on the ocean to lake trail that where you're walking on dunes, sand dunes, um, just before you get to the beach. And, uh, so that, is a, I don't know, a mile and a half or so of sand walking, which is difficult. 
and it's up and down uh, little hills. And again, like you said, it's, you know, maybe 80 feet, <laughs> if, if that, um, up and down. But the, the bulk of it uh, that's tough, I guess we, when you start out, um, everything is dry for probably the first, most of the first day um, that you're on the trail if you're going from the lake to the ocean. Uh, but there's a lot of hog presence, you know, wild boars. And so they, they tear up the ground. And so the, the ground is a little bit chopped up in those, in that first section that I remember. Um, and then when the water starts, uh, I would say two thirds of the trail is underwater to some degree. Man, that's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. lot. That's a yeah, lot. So like 40 miles or so probably of it is, wow. is water. Yeah. Do you, um, you get tired of hiking with your feet wet all the time? Yeah. yeah um, I, the thing that makes you tired really is kind of pulling through the water. You know, when you're, you're dragging, you're, you're pulling your back leg through, you know, <laughs> on each step. Right. Um, it gets to your shins is what it gets. And, uh, and then you're stepping in the, in the mud, you know, the, down in the kind of the muck. Um, and you're, um, there's cypress trees all through there and they, they have these little cypress knees that, that look just little kind of bunion type things that stick up out of the ground as part of their root system that maybe stick up two, three inches out of the ground. So you got to kind of shuffle around those. Um, so it's just, it's a little, it's a little difficult, you know? Yeah. Um, most of the water is probably ankle to mid shin. Okay. Uh, deep, which is not horrible. There's some deeper spots where, you know, it get up to your like mid thigh. Um, but, uh, those are few, okay. you know, like you, it's a, like a short little section here and there where it gets deep. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's periods of time where it's probably a lot deeper, like, you know, springtime does it get significantly higher the the swamp factor yes and i've heard um that it, during the you know once the rainy season starts so late spring summer that it's pretty much just kind of impassable i think there's been some people who've tried it and maybe even succeeded but kind of rough <laughs> yeah what, what kind of shoes were you you know wearing i mean I, i've got a pair of teva it's almost it's not an open toe it's a closed toe but i mean i'm envisioning that that would be the kind of shoe you'd want to wear on something like that. What, what, uh, what is your preference? Yeah, I would think those would be okay. As long as your feet don't blister up, you know, in them from rubbing around. Um, first time that I've worn trail runners both times. First time I wore some La Sportiva, uh, Wildcats. Okay. And the second time, and since then I've just pretty much worn ultra lone peaks. That's kind of my shoe of choice. Okay. Um, but uh, I would couple that. I would recommend coupling that with some gaiters and they make, I'm not talking about the full blown, like snow mountaineering kind of gaiters, right? Just some ones that go up to your ankles that, that, you know, hook to your shoes. That'll keep a lot of the junk and twigs and stuff out of your, out of your socks and shoes. Yeah. I guess when you're in the water, especially, right. I could see the, yeah. the value there. All right. Now yeah. you, you're, you're probably taking another pair of shoes for when you get to camp, right? Because I'm guessing those that your shoes are pretty much wet the whole trip once you uh, hit the swamp, correct? Yeah, yeah. I carried uh, some camp shoes, which I don't normally do, but I did, you know, in this situation because you want to try to dry your feet out at night. Right. Um, I took three pairs of socks uh, with me. I had one pair that was just dedicated dry that I slept in. Um, and then uh, 
I had two wet ones. So one that hung on my pack during the day to kind of dry out a little bit from the day before, you know, and then another pair to put on and just kind of back and forth. But you're pretty, you're just pretty much wet. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like in the beginning, you don't necessarily have this type of terrain, but the last section, do you get, do you get where you just want to take a break and there's just nowhere to take a break? Is that common? Um, no, there's places they, they, they're called geographically, I guess they're called, or ge- geologically, <laughs> they're called uh, hammocks, okay. which is odd, odd, but hmm. it's basically a, a spot where the, the ground kind of comes up out of the water. Might only be a three foot gain, you know, an elevation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just enough to get up out of the water to where it's dry. And, uh, and yeah, you can sit and, you know, have lunch or, you know, whatever, on those places. Yeah, and I mean, what's the furthest you had to go without having a spot to get out of the water? I mean, were you, like were there sections where you mm-hmm. do 4 miles straight in the water? Yeah, I would say so. Mm. Yeah. That does not sound fun to me. <laughs> but you in obviously Cor- liked it cuz you went back. In in Corbett is Corbett's the wet one. Okay. The really wet one. Now, yeah. I I got to believe you're seeing snakes all the time. Is that accurate? I and so here's a weird thing. The first time that I went, which was solo, I saw tons of wildlife, all kinds of stuff. I saw an otter. I saw a cottonmouth. I saw deer. I saw wild boar. Um, saw one gator, um, and he was getting away from me as fast as he could. Scared me because he, he was laying there. I didn't know he was there, and he hmm. jumped in the water like right as I you know, once right. I knew I was there. So. Yeah. But uh, tons of wildlife. Saw and saw just. Oh man, I probably saw fifty wild boar on that first trip. You know, it's funny you say that because we saw the signs when we were in the Swanee River section. The, I mean, it was clear that there were a lot of hogs up there. The ground was torn up in multiple places when we were hiking. Yeah, but we never saw them. I mean, they were clearly there, but we just never ran into them. I, I was just gonna say that the the, uh, the wild boar thing was kind of the thing that concerned me more than the snakes. But I never had any problem with them. They were always running away from me as soon as they saw me, you know. So, but yeah. the second time I went, we didn't see anything. I, I guess we were too loud cutting up on the trail or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was looking on the uh, the uh, the local chapters website that basically takes care of this section. I didn't really see a lot of information about you know people having issues with getting bitten by snakes or getting attacked by alligators. So it doesn't seem like it's a big problem here. Is that accurate? I would say so. Yeah, there's, uh, I think it was the Florida Hikes website and uh, Jupiter's uh, website. He has a, an extensive article about it, which I think is the most helpful thing that's out there. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, there's some tips and tricks on there. Like there, are, you don't want to go up to the edge of the water at dusk because gators don't see very well and they see something kind of large-ish on the side and they may think it's a deer or something and, and come you know attack hmm. um, but during the day they I guess it's not a not a big problem uh, and they say also to watch out for culverts um, because they like to get in there and nest so oh. you know standing on a culvert and dipping trying to get some water that's not a good idea yeah yeah well that was a question <laughs> I had for you actually was just uh, what are you doing for I mean it sounds like there's no shortage of water but for drinking water are you basically just pulling it right out of the swamp yeah yeah i literally just bent over and got it right out of the trail wherever and there's there's so much water um you know a lot of the swamp water looks kind of like black tea you know it's 
it's really yep. a lot of tannins in it. Yep. And I tried to stay away from that. Not not because it's bad for you or you know, it would hurt you in any way. It's just not appetizing. Yeah. You know? yeah. When you see that in <laughs> so, your water bottle, all I could think about was a coloscopy bag. So I totally yeah, know what you're yeah. saying about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would recommend, too, on that note, uh, using like a bandana or something mm-hmm. uh, as a pre-filter. Okay. So what I did was, I, well, the first time, I went, I didn't use anything. I just filtered it like you'd filter on the Appalachian Trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I ruined my water filter too. Oh, okay. It got so, jammed up, huh? Yeah. So the second time I did, used a pre filter and I just used a bandana and uh, I used a scoop. I made a scoop out of a Capri Sun okay. bag. So it was super light. I mean, it didn't even hardly register on scale. And so I could, I would take the bandana and kind of just poke it down in my smart water bottle a little ways mm-hmm. and then just use that scoop and just scoop into my my smart water bottle and then i'm i'm one of the guys that'll just put the sawyer squeeze on the smart water bottle and drink out of it so yeah keep it simple i like that that, that, yeah. that that's a, a tried and true tactic um it looked like some of the sections had boardwalks is that true too so there are sometimes mm-hmm. you get out of the the kind of swamp how frequent are the boardwalks i can't imagine that they you know can be that frequent but um, I wouldn't say they're like super frequent. I think they planned them in spots where um, it would be really hard to get through. Okay. I guess if you, if there wasn't one there, right? Because as you're hiking, it's kind of, <laughs> the the crazy thing is is that you're. It's not like you would expect it, like in a, in a state park or something, you know, where you get up on the boardwalk and you walk around. Oh, there's water down there. You're walking in water. Right, and then there's a boardwalk, and you're like, okay, that's nice, but it's like in the middle of the water, yeah. and then you get to the other end of it, and there's more water, yeah. and you're like, okay, guess yeah. that was really deep, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I read that in the uh, the PDF, just the kind of guide on the trail, and so I was curious about, uh, you know, if if you ran into boardwalks much, but the you know the other thing I was wondering too was just about what your experience was with, you know, ticks and mosquitoes and that sort of thing, because I was shocked when we did the Suwannee River section in late January. I mean, there was virtually no bugs at all. We had no insects at all, which I could not believe in Florida. And I don't know if that was your experience too, but I'm just kind of curious to hear you comment on that. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. And wintertime in Florida, unless you're at the beach, um, you know, or someplace like that, um, there's virtually no bugs. Yeah, that shocked me. I don't know if it should, well, you 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 spent a lot of time in Florida, so I guess you knew, but that really surprised me actually. Um, yeah, in the summertime, they have the mosquitoes out there could probably pick you up and carry you. Oh away. my god, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine how miserable that would be in the in the, the like August or July or something. Yeah. Um, now tell me about the campsites though, because obviously if you've got this much water, there's got to be very specific campsites where you're kind of shooting for. It sounds like um, you don't have to have a permit. Is that right? Um, mostly, okay. yeah, that's true. Um, so each of those, um, you know, the Dupuy and uh, Corbett and Loxahatchee Slough, uh, those places all have, I think, probably two campsites apiece, something like that, uh, maybe three in some of some cases. But um, uh, those campsites are in those hammock areas. Um, to, so that the ground is, you know, raised up out of the water. Um, and they're pretty, 
pretty good, really. I mean, they have they'll have a fire ring uh, for the most part. Hmm. Um, benches. Um, there are quite a few of the sites that have a pitcher pump. Okay. Which is really nice after. It's just way easier than scooping water out of the swamp. Yeah, but, I'm shocked that they would have a pump. I mean, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah there's several of those. Um, there are some fees when you get to Jonathan Dickinson. Um, there's a fee, like when you're hiking into the backcountry, there's like one of those little post, metal post things that has little envelopes in it. Mm-hmm. And you, you pay, and I, and I forget what the fee is, five bucks or I don't know, something like that. And uh, you pay both to to traverse the you know the place and you pay for camping as well okay uh, if you're going to camp in in one of their campsites uh and they have uh pit toilets and pretty nice ones um so so by and large it sounds like the camping options are pretty good yeah now i there's some conflicting stuff out there on the web about everglades youth camp um which is right at the end of corbett um, that is a, an actual youth camp. I, I don't know if it's like a religious group or, or what it is, but pretty nice facility. And I camped there both times that I went through, but you, I called them first and asked them if I could. And, uh, they were very, always, they were very polite and happy and offered their showers and everything. Wow. So that sounds like a good stuff. Um, now I, I did read that we're not supposed to use that or whatever, but that wasn't my, they weren't, they were like, yeah, come on over. They were like happy to have me, hmm. you know? Okay. So I don't, uh, that's why I say it's a little conflicting online. I, maybe somebody's irritated them and it's changed since I hiked, but uh, it's a possibility. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's all in the approach too. You know I mean? Could um, be. Yeah. Any, that's, that was a question I had for you too. Any interesting encounters with people, good and bad. And, um, you know, um, I, just curious what, what, you know, if you, you always run into interesting people on the trail sometimes, usually good, but um, yeah. if you have yeah, any most, comments there. I think the, the one that came to my mind was that I met uh, right about the time I was going under the highway. Uh, so I was almost to, I think that's almost Jonathan Dickinson uh, State Park. But anyway, I'm cruising along and I and here, coming towards me, there's this really old couple, like in their 80s. And uh, it was, come to find out as I was talking to them, it was Dean Drake and Beatrice Rogers who were some of the original founding people of the Ocean Lake Trail. I think they uh, basically mapped the thing out, and and there it, it was because of them that it's there. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, what's the odds on that? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, that, that you run into them uh, while, while out there, but... Yeah, now is is this technically? I mean, is it an extension of the Florida Trail, or because it's going to the ocean and the Florida Trail is really kind of running up the middle, right? So how does yeah. how does that factor into the Florida Trail? This this specific piece. It's a spur trail. It's so spur. like if you okay. were if you were on the the AT and you were gonna take a, a scenic trail up to the top of a lookout or something like that, uh, that kind of spurs off to the side. Okay. Usually is maybe. Uh, Blue Blaze Trail or something like that. Okay, I got you. Um, this the, is kind of like that, but it's really long. But the Florida, <laughs> the Florida Trail does go around the lake, right? Doesn't it go around both it sides? Does. Okay. Yeah. It's like there's an option to go around either side, right? Yep. And so you could technically do a, if you just wanted to hike the lake, you could do that as well, it sounds like. 
Yes. Uh, like and they one. they have a lake hike, too, that they do every year where they do a circumference of the lake. Okay. Too, if somebody wanted to look that up and thought that sounded like fun. Yeah. Do you know the mileage? I didn't I didn't look it up before we got on the podcast I, here. but I don't know. Because it has to be pretty it's lengthy. It's huge. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was it's huge. That. It's got to be 30-plus miles, I would say. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. Um, so just, you know, from doing a, a five-day trip out there, you got any suggestions for hikers on – you know, what they should take on a trip like this that normally they wouldn't think about. Take your average AT hiker that's going to do some hiking in the southeast. I mean, obviously you're going to want some camp shoes. We talked about that. Um, some dry socks for sure. But some other things that maybe you wouldn't think about if you hadn't hiked in a swamp before. Um, again, gators uh, would be another, you know, thing to definitely take with you. Sunscreen. Um I'm not a huge sunscreen guy. I'll do long sleeve shirts um, just for sun cover. There are some folks who will take a, a lightweight umbrella as well. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest stuff. Definitely you want to waterproof your stuff. Use a pack liner. Okay. Because uh, you know if you if you slip and fall, you're you know you're going to probably land your whole pack in the water. Oh, so that's not good. <laughs> that would not be good for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, so. you've obviously hiked outside of Florida. Um, I'm just kind of curious how you would rate the challenge of this trail, not necessarily terrain difficulty, but just challenge in general with maybe some of the other things that people might be more familiar with, like maybe hiking the Appalachian Trail in the southeast or um, even going to Colorado. Like, you know, I'm just kind of curious how you would compare the experiences. Or can you? Uh, well, I would say that this is the hardest trail that I've hiked wow um i've hiked a fair portion of the southern part of the appalachian trail Mm -hmm. um and uh it's hard but it's hard in a like a a sprint kind of a way okay because you're going you know up some steep stuff um i've hiked in the uendas out in utah at you know ten thousand feet and that's hard in a a atmospheric breathing kind of a way Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think overall I think the Ocean to Lake Trail is the hardest trail I've ever hiked. Wow, I mean that's a statement, and I, you know what, I totally get it, having spent that time on the Swanee. But um, it's easy to underestimate Florida because it, you know, it's not a mountainous state; it's pretty flat. But uh, it's deceiving. Is is the I think you agree with that? Yeah, uh, it's it's the water that'll get you. Yeah, it'll. It's just it's hard walking through water for that long. Yeah, yeah. Are there other sections of the uh, Florida Trail that are kind of on your list? Um, I would like to actually do the area that you did in the Swanee. That's why I, that's one of the reasons I was super excited when you did that, that podcast on it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. We really enjoyed it. And if you get the chance to go down to Steinhatchee, I highly recommend that too. Cause that was a, a great, uh, a great side trip just to get a shower and get a meal and, you know, get off the trail. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. What about other, uh, you got any other big trips in the, in the, in the planning stages? Yeah, uh, me and my the same two guys that I hiked the Ocean to Lake with uh, the second time, we're going up to um, uh, Grayson Highlands this year and doing a loop up there. Ah, have you been um, before? I've been. I have not hiked this this loop trail, but I've been to Grayson Highlands and just kind of walked around with the ponies a little bit and then left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you doing the the yeah. loop where you go down through Rhododendron Gap and catch that little yeah. connector? Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great hike. And I, I don't know if you saw the video on my 
website, but we were just up there in September. It was phenomenal. Oh, I'll so, check that out. Yeah. I mean, we, I shot a video of it so you can see some of the footage, but um, that's a great area. I think, honestly, arguably, probably one of the best areas in the southeast. You know, if you can just get there during the week, that would be my advice because it gets, you know, pretty busy on weekends. Yeah. I'm hoping by end of June when, or, you know, three quarters of the way through June when we're up there, uh, that the the bubble will be passed and everything will be good. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a, that's a great, a great destination for sure. Um, well, maybe just get a few final thoughts for, from you on the, uh, the ocean to lake trail here. Um, you know, first off, what did, what do you enjoy most about the ocean to lake trail? Um, I think, like I said, the, the challenge is kind of what made me go and what has kept me coming back. Uh, but the thing that surprised me the most, I think out there was just the beauty of it. I, I really, you know, driving up and down the highway in Florida and you look off to the side of the road and you're like, Oh, there's a swamp. It's kind of ugly. I always thought. And, but when you're out there, um, you see flowers and different uh, plants that you don't see anywhere else. And there's a, there is a real true beauty uh, to things out there. There's color and things that you, you just don't expect. Yeah, a lot of interesting trees too. You know, the oak uh, and some of the cypress, you know, that you get into. It's I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, what about least? I mean, what, what uh, I have to ask what you like least about the Ocean to Lake Trail. Hmm. I would guess the challenge. <laughs> it's kind of a, a love-hate thing, you know. Like you want to see if you can do it, but it also kind of hurts. So, uh, you know, just uh, physically going through things like that. But uh, I think that's it. You got a favorite memory from uh, the two trips out there you want to share? Any any good trail magic or anything that uh, just made you want to come back the second time? <laughs> um, a, I guess a funny thing maybe uh, is that uh, there's a lot of things. There's some there's some good restaurants and cool stuff towards the end that would keep you coming back. You know, for for food, I, I food will stop me anywhere. But um, uh, I was the first time. And this, I guess, talks to a little bit of a thing about uh, how to get to the beginning and the end of the trail is you got to have a ride, pretty much. So I had a buddy that lived out on the East Coast there. So I had him drop me off and pick me up. Um, when I got to the beach, because the beach is in a pretty nice, pretty ritzy, you know, neighborhood. And so here I'm, I'm walking through. I'm like covered in swamp from, you know, like the waist down and... Uh, with a backpack and I, I look like a homeless guy, you know? And so I walk out to the beach, I take my pictures out there, do my thing. Right. And then I walk, I'm walking back and there's a little turnout, little spot where you could park your car for just a second or whatever, right near the bridge, um, that goes over the sound there. And, uh, I was standing there waiting for my buddy to come pick me up. And somebody saw me and called the cops. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And so I was sitting there trying to explain to the cops that, no, I'm not a homeless guy. You know, I just hiked this trail. And when I told them, they thought, oh, man, that's the coolest thing. They had no idea that the trail was right there. And I'm like, yeah, see the blazes? Yeah, that's you know, awesome. Right down, the, right down the street. So You wouldn't be the first thru-hiker that had, um, had some people freaked out thinking that they were, you know, you're a drifter. 
uh, that's funny. I, there's, a, there's a guy that I through hiked in, on the AT with in the 90s that had a similar experience. But uh, you want to share with the listeners just where they can get more information on this uh, Ocean to Lake Trail? Um, my personal favorite is, uh, like I said, Jupiter. Um, if anybody, I don't know if people are familiar with his uh, YouTube channel and stuff, um, Jupiter Hikes. And, I, and I'm not associated with him at all, but he has the most comprehensive uh, list of everything you could possibly need to think about uh, when planning a hike there. And you can go to jupiterhikes.com. And uh, the article that's on there is called Everything You Need to Know About the Ocean to Lake Hiking Trail. Yeah, and I'll also give a quick plug. Is I, Hopefully I'm pronouncing this correct, correctly, but it's the Luxhatchee chapter is the uh, group that maintains this uh this spur and i did there there's a very good website there you can download pdf guide sheets um there's a lot of information there there's a facebook uh group that you can follow too so um i you know in preparation for talking with you i I found a lot of really useful information there as well if if someone wants to do this section i think and you and i both had a similar experience right if you're looking for a great place to go in the middle of the winter um obviously the florida trail's got some good pieces so um certainly worth a look as as you and i could both attest to absolutely yeah. florida florida trail association as well uh, has a lot of good information um paper maps if you want if you're a paper map person uh if you're not a paper map person the former formerly called gut hooks is now called far out yeah has a has a map set that you can you can get for the ocean to lake trail as well yeah i laugh because i like the name gut hook i, I hate i hate that they changed it actually i it, it yeah. kind of had a ring to it and it had a history to it that uh i i, I hated to see it go but you know, i agree progress <laughs> yeah. um so john any final thoughts any final takeaways for the listeners that uh, if they remember one thing from uh, the show what should they remember about ocean to lake trail well i I don't know that I think it applies to all trails, but I I would encourage people to just um, let everybody get what they want to get out of their hike. Um, You know, meaning just be courteous with, you know, with everybody out there and, you know, don't blare your music and don't, you know, if, if you're into that, you know, wear some headphones, you know, leave the trail better than you found it. Um, Take care of things out there. Take care of each other. Yeah. You know, it is interesting that I've, I've passed, in the last couple of years, multiple people that are just cranking their music out, walking down the trail, you know, um, I know I, that's interesting that you say that because I have noticed that a couple of times recently. Yeah. And, and I'm cool with people that want to listen to music on the trail. Just, you know, keep to yourself and you can hike your hike. I'll hug my hike in my, uh, quiet. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, John, I appreciate it. I know you're on the road and you, uh, made a special effort to, uh, to dial in for this. So, uh, you know, great to talk to you and, uh, um, hope you get a chance to do the Swanee. If you want to talk more about that, certainly be happy to have a one-on-one conversation with it. Cause I really enjoyed that section of trail. So yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Well, uh, best of luck to you and hopefully I'll uh, have a chance to cross paths with you here someday, John. Absolutely. Be fun to hike. Yeah. Sounds good. You've been listening to the N2 Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to the show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Amazon, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also stream shows directly from n2backpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music from the show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. The show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com. Thank you.